Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Where Do We Begin? We've got a special, special guest on today. Goes by the name of Brett Trevor Holman, and he's widely regarded as the second most famous person to grace the Nelspruit Stadium and the Rustenburg Stadium in the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. And he's the second most famous behind my co-host. My co-host is called Jackson. Jackson, how are you? I'm good. How are you, mate? I'm very, very good. I'm looking forward to showing our listeners this one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just going back to your quick comment about Rustenburg and uh, Nelspruit. Honestly, I reckon there were so many other players famous than uh, Brett and I. I mean, Brett probably number one. I'll, I'll be down the bottom, definitely. Uh, but huge, huge amount of players in that World Cup. Can you think of them? Any like, oh, Ronaldo. Oh, no, Ronaldo wasn't in that World Cup. Um, like Kaka, uh, the, the Spain team that won it. Huge amount of players there. Yeah, exactly. And um, just in Australia's group, you had uh, Germany and uh, Ghana, two teams that did very well. Uh in the future, uh, and Garn did well in that World Cup, I think, as well. And uh, Serbia's got some handy players, and that's just in Group D, Australia's group. And, of course, you've got all the other Australian players. But the Australian player we want to focus on is Brett Holman. So do you reckon we should just get straight into the interview? Yeah, let's do it. It's a cracker. Let's get into it. Now, I think it's fair to say, if you've listened to the show before, we've had a few people unlucky with the old World Cups. We've had a Scott McDonald and Alex Chidiak, Bree Davey, but Brett Holman, World Cup Australian legend. And fair to say, uh, as a seven-year-old watching the 2010 World Cup, real idol of mine. So I'm absolutely privileged to welcome to the show. Welcome, Brett Holman. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. How you going, mate? Uh, we're in lockdown here, but obviously you're up on the Sunshine Coast. How's it all going up there? It's good. It's good. Just, just you know, the brief chat that I had with you two boys, um, you know, before it's, um, you know, it's you can't imagine what you guys are going through. Um, uh, 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 you know, it must be tough. Um, I think everybody's thinking of Victoria, um, of you know how severe it is down there, and I think you know heaps of thoughts from from I think everywhere in Australia. Um, is it, it, thinking mainly of Victoria and hopefully uh, the cases go down, uh, you know, really quick and uh, and uh, you guys get back out there and, and back to normal in a way. Yeah. Up here, it's, you know, pretty good. Um, you know, we can't really complain. So uh, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to dolge into that, I suppose, uh, given the fact that you guys are Victorian. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So we'll just get into it. Uh, you were born in Bankstown in 84. How is it growing up in the West of Sydney in the late 80s? It was brilliant. It was, um, you know, if you look back, you know, if you spoke to me back then, it, it was just a normal kid, you know, uh, every day outside, uh, uh, mate, you know, older brother, um, you know, neighbours that you always used to play with. But um, I suppose if you, if you reminisce and you really look back, um, you know, it, it sort of helped me with everything because, you know, Western Sydney was so multicultural and is now. Um, but, but, you know, that, that helped me out with my football and, and, and the love and the passion of it because it was everywhere. You had the, you had the Greeks, the, you know, the, the Crows, the Italians. It was, it was you know, basically in a, in a circle around me in one way. Um, and, and that was my youth, I suppose, especially the younger years. I was probably the only, you know, probably Australian Australian, um, you know, playing in the, in, the, in the local club. So um, it was great. I enjoyed it. Western Sydney was brilliant uh, for, 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 you know, my upbringing and, uh, and yeah, that was, that was, that was my upbringing in a nutshell, I suppose. 
Yeah, I think uh, lots of people back then knew the sport as wog ball. So what was it Wars. like, like you said, being one of the only uh, Aussies with uh, Aussies generations back, uh, the Anglo-Aussies um, playing, being one of the only ones playing football instead of a cricket or an Aussie rules? Exactly. You know, if you look at it, my old man as well, I suppose, he was from South, Aust- South Australia in, in, uh, in particular and, and he ended up moving over to, uh, to Western Sydney anyway. But, you know, he was Aussie rules in cricket. So um, he was hoping, hoping I was going to go down that path. Unfortunately, it didn't. But um, I suppose the first one before me, you know, in and around there, you had a few boys from Western Sydney. You know, Brett Emerton was there. He started the trend um, of... of I suppose being the Aussie or, or the or the one who jumps out and he plays at Sydney Olympic uh, in a team full of Greek guys, I suppose. But um, you know, it was it was something that I loved. You know, being involved in a team um, and and it attracted me way more than I suppose in Aussie Rules. Even though Aussie Rules wasn't even big that, back then in in the Western suburbs from from us, it was football. You know, number one, and, and I suppose it still is. Yeah. So your junior career, can you tell us a bit more about that? Um, local club uh, was Enfield Rovers. Um, Charles Tarmer was the coach. He's still actually, I think, the sporting or, or the or the you know the director of the club down there. I've got contact with him still, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, I played my, I played my youth. It was my local club. It was down the road. Um, you know, we walked up there for training and and for games. It was a it was a brilliant area. It's a great park still. Um, that was that was that was the introduction of football and and and. You know the creation of, uh, yeah, of the like, of the like and the love of of, of playing, I suppose. And um, I played there for about it would have been about six or seven years. Um, eventually, moving on to sort of like a a rep a representative sort of type of club, which was Glades for Hornsby for a few years, and then you know after that moved on to New South Wales Institute of Sport. That was sort of like the the youth and 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 you know how I grew up with football. Then jump forward a couple of years. I think you're about 16. You leave school to pursue your professional career in the NSL. Uh, yeah. Parramatta Power, I believe, was it? Yeah, it was. It was. It was Parramatta. There was a there was a couple of clubs around the area. Sydney Olympic was one, and and it was touch and go because that was around the corner. So it was easy for me to get to. It was convenient, but it was just you know Parramatta said something to me. Um, the, the, the people working there, Dave Mitchell was the coach at that stage who I spoke with. And, and there was actually a couple of teammates who went um, the same time to Parramatta Power um, from the New South Wales Institute of Sport. So we sort of knew each other and that was that comfort, that comfort zone where it was like, oh, if we all go, then at least we know each other. So, um, you know, we won't be alone in the dressing room. And um, it was a scary thing and it was a big decision because you had to leave school. Um, and... I suppose it was a blessing because it was my way out because I didn't really like school anyway. Um, uh, and it got me out. You know, there was still those little, there was those school, those, you know, those little school moments that Parramatta had to offer in, in terms of education because you couldn't just go leave school and just go and play full-time football at that stage. There had to be some sort of educational background, which we did. A few little courses basically meant nothing. But um, Parramatta was brilliant. It, it, it got me into the world of full-time football and, and full-time sports, and uh, it was a huge eye-opener. At that age, uh, did you have a team in Australia or overseas that you were supporting big time? Um, the players I supported more, I suppose. Um, if you ask for, for, for the club that I've always supported, it, it just, it's not where it's a, it's a love. It's probably just because it was my first jersey that I got off my off mum and dad, which was Tottenham, um, and that sort of stuck. 
But on the other hand, sort of my favourite player was Dennis Burkamp, so it's London rivals. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, I was probably more following the Aussie players, really. You know, that's when that, that... that generation sort of came on the scene with with Mark Viduka and Harry Kuehl at Leeds and 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 stuff like that and and you know that was that was sort of more the the yeah ambition I suppose or, or the goal you know that was the players I looked at you know you looked at the bigger clubs you know AC Milan and Juventus back in the day because they were the bigger clubs and we saw them on SBS but um, you know admiring admiring Aussie players I think was that was my big thing and to to say that. I suppose maybe you could relate, I suppose, in a way, um, to say these guys have come from certain areas in Australia and, um, and you know, I suppose we, I followed their pathway, in a way. So after 13 games with the Parramatta Power, you signed for Feyenoord. How did that come about? It was pure out of uh, luck, in a way, that Dave Mitchell, um, who, when, I, when I first signed the Parramatta and I didn't know he had the contacts in Holland, um, still had contacts in Holland because he played there. Uh, I didn't know that at that stage. Um, and he ended up asking uh, the technical director of Feyenoord. Um, he invited him out on a holiday, I think, more than anything. Um, came and saw some trainings. And, and, and uh, you know, lucky enough, I was, I was, you know, I was doing the right things and, and, and training hard and, and, you know, caught his eye, thankfully enough, um, where I got an invitation to, to do a three-week uh, training camp in Holland at Feyenoord which sort of represented more like a mini tournament sort of type thing that I could just sort of ease into and play games. And, and that's what they like. You know, they, they want to see games. They don't want to see trainings. They want to see how you are in game situations. I did really well, um, came home and heard nothing. So I thought, ah, oh, you know, it was three weeks. It was a great trip. I've never been to Europe. It was brilliant. And, um, you know, I'm going to go back to Parramatta Power and kick on. Um, and then all of a sudden we end up, you know, getting this um, email through uh, – you know, saying the final wanted me five year contract, um, and and I suppose it was it was great up until then, and then it just got really real, and then it got very very nerve wracking, very uh, scary moments, I suppose, because that you know it got to that stage where you had to make a decision to leave everybody and and get on a plane and go and survive by yourself when you're 17 years old. So um, it was the best decision I ever made, but um, it was it was definitely a, a scary one. Now, obviously, only playing for the one NSL team. I'm not sure how well equipped, well equipped you'd be to answer this, but do you know how many other Australian clubs had connections overseas at that stage? I'm not sure. Good question. Um, I, I know the Northern Spirit, but they they fell short. They were only involved in the in, in the NSL uh, for a while. They had connections with Rangers. Um, I know that that was a connection. I, I'm not sure if you're talking about Marconi and and. And, and, you know, Melbourne Knights. I know that Mel- maybe even Melbourne Knights had some sort of connection with Zagreb or something like that, um, or Heidek Split. But, um, no. In regards to the connection with Parramatta, I think it was basically the connection of the coach, not the club itself. Whereas I know that Northern Spirit itself had that affiliation as club to club. So um, uh, you, you'd probably know more than me if, if you looked it up and stuff like that. But, no, I don't know, I don't know um, too much about it. So moving over to Holland in 2002, did it just go from zero to 100 right there? Yeah, yeah, straight away. It was, it was nothing prepares you for it, um, even though you're playing full-time stuff at Parramatta Power. And, and I had some great role models there. You know, we had the, the former Socceroo captain at that stage, Alex Tobin, who was still playing. You know, it, I had good role models. So, um, but, but, yeah, exactly what you said. You couldn't compare it. There was no preparation 
and, and it and it took a while to adapt. Um, it was it was full on, um, and and yeah, I suppose you know th- th- that's what they're there for. You know that uh, that was European culture. It's football, and 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 the other daunting thing, I suppose, more than anything, is that you know they see an outsider coming in, and and the outsider is about to take one of the the I suppose the local guys' positions. So. Um, you know, not, they, don't, they don't like that at all. So it's a little bit hard as well to integrate um, to start with. Uh, you have to prove yourself a lot um, time and time again. Um, and I think once you do that, then obviously you can slowly establish yourself in the, into a certain team. But, but, yeah, the beginning phase was, you know, it's not even months. You know, I would even say the first year or two, it was, uh, it was, it was really hard. Yeah, uh, you touched on it there. And I was going to ask um... – how much of a thing there, obviously being in the Netherlands, one of the biggest footballing countries in the world, and you're from little Australia, like especially being from Australia, how much is there, oh, this little guy is going to try to take our place like from yeah. a no, nowhere football country, really? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think the only saving grace what I had was Brett Emerton, um, just because he moved over, I, 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 don't quote me, it, it would have been two or three years before I went there, um, and he sort of almost paved a little way um, for Australians because he did really well there. They won the UEFA Cup. Um, he played a lot of games. So there was, there, was a, there was definitely that tiny respect for Australians to start off with based on, um, based on, the, on, on the performance that he put in there. So, um, but, but look, but going back on what you said, it, it didn't matter, it didn't matter for, 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 you know, from, from Brett Hamilton's point of view. It was still hard. Um, and, and the players in the dressing room that I ended up rocking up to, it, it was... Yeah, they're like, yeah, we're not letting this little little tiny guy from Australia take our position, basically, and and we're going to make it bloody hard for him, and um and that's when you need to have thick skin and 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 know that um they sort of can't break you in a way, um and and you know you have to dig deep and and you have to get through those lows, and uh, and hopefully come out on the right side afterwards. Do you know specifically why you were recommended to final? Are there particular traits? Um, at that point, at that uh, point in time, there was a player who was a fine or his name was Thomas Buffel. He was a, he was a Belgium international, um, and I sort of, if you, if you really look at it, I had that similar type of style. Um, I was I was a paramount of power. I was in behind the I think Hamilton Thorpe was the main striker at that stage, um, but but I was sort of like a number ten, a Roma, um, picking up scraps off the off a big number nine and stuff like that. And and if you look back where Feyenoord was, was placed at that stage when, the, when they won the, the UEFA uh, Cup. They had big Pierre Van Hoydonk as the number nine. Um, Yondale Thomason was the, was the Roma um, as the 10. Um, and I suppose it's, it, it's one of those things that, that you have to catch somebody's eye and they have to see something in you. Um, and, and you have to have that bit of luck where you're performing at the right times um, to catch those people's eyes, whether they're scouts or coaches or, or, or who they may be. Um, and, and I was lucky at that time to, to, to perform and, and do the right things, I suppose. So you were loaned out to Excelsior. Was that, uh, was that ever discussed with you? Like, yeah. did they tell you straight away you're going to be loaned out? <clears throat> before, I even, before I even signed, um, th- that was the plan from, from day one because there was, no, um, there, was no, uh, there was no vision at that stage for me to, for me to be able to, um, you know, be a part of Final One, basically. Um, and the good thing was Excelsior was sort of, it wasn't partly owned by Feyenoord, but it was almost their brother club anyway. So it was in the same city. It was in Rotterdam. Um, it was down the road. 
what happened with Feyenoord is that they had a lot of people on their books, a lot of young talent who couldn't play for Feyenoord 1. So what they would do is they would slowly push them out to Excelsior. And the good thing about Excelsior was that they were sometimes good enough to, to be promoted. So they'd be, they'd be in the first league anyway. So my first year, I was actually in the first league competing against Feyenoord and PSV and Ajax and these sort of clubs. So it was the best first year anyway. Yeah. Um, how often did Feyenoord touch base with you when you were out on loan there? Because you, you were there for four years, so it was kind of like you were there permanently, I guess. Uh, it, it, yeah. You know, the, the, the vision or the, or the image that we had or the, or, the, or the chats and the meetings, you know, the, the idea was to obviously um, to almost sort of follow Brett Edmonton's footsteps in a way, you know, to be the next Aussie because he ended up obviously going to Blackburn. But um, – you know, he, I was supposed to be the next one to come through. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And that was down to, you know, me, I suppose, you know, not, not having the performances enough to, to warrant, you know, or, or, or to have done enough to, to, to be a part of final one in a way. We, we definitely had correspondence, you know. I, I used to train. I think the second or third year there would, be, there would be days, Tuesdays, Thursdays, where we'd end up doing two sessions. One would be at Excelsior, the second would be in finals. So, you know, I would, there would be times that you would get integrated. But, um, yeah, I, it got to a stage where, you know, they thought and, and, and that, I, that basically I wasn't good enough for final one. So moving, moving to Excelsior, who was a smaller team in, in the Netherlands at the time, yeah. when you first played a big club like Ajax, how daunting was that to you? That was, it, was, it, was, it was daunting, you know... Uh, I suppose if you look through my whole career, I always loved the challenge. Um, so it, it didn't really daunt me a, a lot. It sort of uh, excited me more than anything. Um, you know, you're going out and, and, you know, I didn't know too much about the Dutch league, but you learned really quick anyway because these were, we, these were big, big players. And, you know, the first couple of years when, when you're talking about Fine Order, PSV or Ajax, then you go back and you look at the names and you talk about Mido, um, Van der Vaart, Ibrahimovic, Snyder, uh, you know, Maxwell, you know, big names in, in, in world football. And, you know, they, they, were the, they were the youth, I suppose, or they were just starting their careers as well. Um, and, and it wasn't daunting. It was, it was, it was exciting and it was, a, it was a fantastic challenge. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I, I want to be challenged. That was, that was why we were there. You know, you needed to get better. You needed to learn. You needed to lose. Um, and, and, and it was fantastic. And then, uh, you guys got promoted in your fourth season, I think, but you moved to NEC. So yep. how did that whole thing come about? Um, the first year we played in the first league, we got, um, the first year we got uh, relegated. And then the next two, two years, we, we really struggled. And, and I suppose that, that sort of put everything into perspective as to, I'm not going to make it, you know, basically the final. Whereas the fourth year, I had a coach, his name was Mario Bain, and I knew him anyway from, uh, from people that I knew sort of in and around the, the football scene. A young coach, um, he was at final before and he ended up taking the head coach at Excelsior and I got along with, uh, well with him and I, I suppose he maybe felt he knew me or he knew how to release me in a way um, and, and it was the best season I had. I ended up becoming the top goal scorer at Excelsior. Um, we got promoted um, got player of the year at the club. It was a great year. Uh, um, and it was fortunate enough that Mario Bain, that, that coach, ended up moving to NEC. Um, and thankfully enough, he took me with him. So I suppose it was, it was that 
I, yeah, I, I suppose we're paying each other both ways in a way because he was an upcoming coach. I was struggling at that moment because it was sort of going in, uh, going, it was sort of almost like ending or, or you know, heading towards a dead end. Um, and we sort of helped each other and, 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 that's why I, and, and that's why I suppose I was lucky enough that he, that he took me and we moved together. So NEC have a huge rivalry with uh, Vitesse. Yep. How big is that for that club? Crazy. That derby is, um, is you know, in the area. It, it, you can't compare it to, to Ajax and Feyenoord, but you can, you can definitely compare the passion. The passion of those two, uh, yeah, it, it starts months away already. You know, the, the, the fans are getting ready. The, the, the fans are at the, at the training field with flares and, and, and it's, 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 it's full on. And sometimes these supporters don't even care if we get relegated as long as you beat Vitesse. Um, so it was that, it was that intense. Um, you definitely didn't want to come out and go into the city if you lost, um, because they would, they would definitely let you know about it. Um, and also Arnhem, Vitesse Arnhem, it was only, it was only 10 or 15 minutes down the road. Um, and, and they had actually, you know, a pretty good village, but you couldn't even go there because, um, it was just, you know, NEC players, it, it wasn't heard of, you know, and, and if you had, if you had sort of the, you know, the hardcore sort of hooligans from Vitesse, if they did find you or saw you, then, then they'd definitely let you know about it and, uh, yeah, you wouldn't want to be there. Uh, I believe you finished uh, above Vitesse in both your seasons there as well. Um, we, had, we had great uh, – I had, I had two years that were, that were fantastic and um, time of my life. Um, I met my wife there. Um, the, the club was, was, was amazing. Um, it was a small community club, but it was a big club in a way. So it's sort of hard to, to um, yeah, to compare it to anything. But um, full stadiums, uh, passionate supporters. We did really well. I think we even made made the Europa League the second year year round um, before I moved. But yeah, I, I really really enjoyed my time there. Now uh, NEC is probably not one of the clubs known uh, worldwide, especially no. in Australia. So if you're doing a little profile on them, what would you say about them? Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to compare them to a, to a cool um, a community club around here. But, you know, a lot of clubs would, would, um, would love them. A lot of people would love them because they always – it's a real nice feeling. It's a family club. It's a community club. It's those – it's those great days and, and, you know, I saw it when I, when I was injured a couple of times where the grandfather was there, the father was there, the son was there, the grandson was there. It was, it, it, that's how it was and that was the feeling. Um, you met people down the street, uh, you know, the fans who always used to come and, and even support you while you were training. Um, great city, very old city um, that, that was struck uh, uh, by the war as well. So, um, you know, a, a beautiful city. Um, yeah, really, 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 yeah, good things to say about the, about the whole time. Uh, for people, the, the travellers out there, uh, what's the name of the city? Nijmegen. Nijmegen. Oh. It's in the east. It's close to the German border. It's very close to the German border. Um, but, but uh, yeah, Nijmegen, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> then you moved to, after your two years there, you moved to AZ Alkmaar yep. uh, with the coach, the historic coach, Louis van Gaal. How was that? That was um, that was daunting. <laughs> um, definitely, that was definitely daunting because you because you're you, you're getting signed by one of the powerhouses in world football. Um, 
Yeah, he he was he was the, he was the coach of Barcelona. You know what I mean? He was he was he, it's 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 Louis Van Gaal. So um, you know, it was great. The the the, the transfer worked. It 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 it. it it felt like I needed that step. Um, it was a step up because AZ had a lot of ambition to to sort of crack that 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 you know uh, that that big three in regards to PSV, Feyenoord, and Ajax. You know we, we, they wanted to really have a go at those three, um, and that's why they they brought in such a a, a huge coach. Um, yeah, massive, massive, um, massive character on and off the pitch. He. he uh, he was heard everywhere, but um, yeah, I, I, it, it was an honour to play under him, and, and um, it was uh, it was it was great that I got that move. Yeah, and uh, you had a fairly hefty price tag for an Aussie at the time. I think it was like three million euros, around about that. Uh, does that add to the pressure? Uh, I, maybe a little bit um, because they they sort of fall back on the transfer fee if you're not performing. Um, but you know what? When you're out, when you're out there, and, and and your focus is on is on is on the game, and 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 you know the jobs that you you need to do, and, and how you need to perform, that doesn't go through your mind, really. Um, but yeah, you know, going back on the first thing I said, I think if you're underperforming, that price tag might hang over you a little bit. But um, it never sort of it never sort of played on my mind. Um, I, I, I'm 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 pretty thick skinned where I sort of get on with things pretty quick, and and and. You know, I'll, I'll definitely absorb things, but um, yeah, I won't let the, I won't let anybody or, or anyone sort of uh, distract me from from the path I'm on in that sense. So your first season at the, at the club, you won the league. How how exciting was that to win the Eredivisie? It was great. It was uh, look, it, it was tough in a way because I really wanted to play a lot more. But um, that was where Louis um, was one of those coaches where he loved to integrate players and and get them to learn his style where. He was always that coach who would always say, you know, be patient, be patient. You're learning my style. You're learning how the team plays. And, you know, I did play a role. I scored goals. But, you know, I would have loved to have played a little bit more. But to win, to win the Erie Divisi and, and to break that trend of, of beating Ajax or PSV, it was, it, was, it was probably one of the biggest things in, in, in Dutch football in that sort of, you know, last 20 or 30 years. Because, you know, to break that, that trend of, of the big spenders of, of those big three, it was it, it was almost impossible, and 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 to do that, it was a, it was great. You know, it was so fun. Uh, the parties were great, um, and 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 it was a huge achievement. So um, you know, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. For a team wanting to get amongst the big boys like AZ, where um, they need to be able to perform in the big games, obviously, and. Uh, a year or two earlier, I believe, for NEC against PSV, man of the match, two goals. Uh, how much of a confidence booster was that and how much did that help you in your AZ days? I think, um, yeah, it's a good point because I think it did, it did put me in, in a good mind frame just, just in general moving forward no matter what. After that game, knowing that I could score a goal against any of, any of the big clubs and that was sort of that first moment where, you know, I played against the big clubs but I didn't, you know, it was just missing something, and 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 to, to to put in a performance like that when when PSV needed it as well. You know, running into to to the championship, you know, against against Ajax and and Feyenoord, it was huge, and and I think I think it gave me heaps of confidence. Um, I think for my my personal mental to state to say, hey, I can I can really compete against uh, uh, you know the big boys, and um, it put me in some good stead uh, uh, going forward. So. 
after Louis van Gaal went to uh, Bayern Munich, yep. the club was taken over by Ronald Koeman, who's now the Barcelona coach. But yep. was he a huge name back then or just sort of starting out then? He was a huge name as a player in general. Um, massive player. Everybody knows, you know, a, goal, a winning, winning goal um, for Barcelona. Um, what is it, Europa Cup? Uh, what is it, uh, I think, yeah, Europa Cup. It was the first Champions League for Barca. Yes. So, um, you know, big free kick, all that sort of stuff. Uh, he, had, he had a couple of big coaching roles, but he didn't perform, I suppose. PSV did okay, left, went to Valencia, but got sacked really early, um, came to us. Um, obviously, you know, taking over a, a championship-winning side. Um, got sacked, I think, um, you might know, after four or five months um, in his first year, which was devastating for him. It was devastating for me because it was almost sort of like that Mario Bain sort of type at, at Excelsior and NEC. That was the type of person I had or, or, or chemistry I had with, with Ronald. Um, he was amazing for me. It didn't click with the club or the team, but but I was so disappointed that he left. Um, we were playing Champions League in that year. You know, he gave me a lot of freedom and and and, and expected a lot from me, and and I love that. And and I was so yeah, I was I was really disappointed that he left because I thought I could learn um, so much more of him. Now, you mentioned the Champions League there. What's it like for a team like I said, who's not really expected by the broader population to do much? What's it like yeah. playing against those massive teams like your Arsenal and your Olympiacos in the group stage? It was, it was, it was so disappointing because I thought we could have got so much more out of it. Um, I think we ended up losing to Standard or Standard Lake or, or it was a draw that I think almost got us out of it. You know, there was, there was a couple of dodgy results from our side of you where we should have done a lot more against Olympiacos Arsenal at home, I think we drew um, and got absolutely spanked um, at, at the Emirates Stadium. But, you know, it was, it was great because, like you said, it was a smaller club. Nobody expected much, but we expected a lot from ourselves. Um, and, it, and it was disappointing because I think everybody felt that we could have done a lot more, you know, not winning the Champions League, but definitely going through the group stage and, 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 and you know, shaking it up a bit because I felt that, the performance that we put in didn't didn't warrant the results that we that we got out of them. So you moved to Aston Villa after your time yep. at AZ. Uh, you signed on a pre-contract agreement. How did that all come about? Um, it happens. It happens a lot. Obviously, when 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 your clubs are looking into free transfers and stuff like that. First and foremost, after the last six months of your contract, you can sign a pre-contract. Um, so it basically locks up your 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 future, so you know where you're going. You know, and, and I didn't want to wait around um, until the summer. I wanted a little bit of security. We had a little daughter just then. My wife was pregnant for, for, with our second child, so I wanted that security as well. Um, Aston Villa came along, had a chat with Alex McLeish, um, and it clicked. Nice guy, real gentleman. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was good. The, the, pre, the pre-contract, pre-contract went okay, but, but it was the following... Um, medical after the season that went very sour, I suppose. Did IZ want to keep you or were they just releasing yep. you anyway? No, no, no. I, um, uh, I, received a, uh, I received another offer to, to, to re-sign with AZ on, uh, on a couple occasions, um, not even uh, uh, that year, the year before. Um, I, I felt that, you know, I was there for 10 years in, in, in Holland, almost 11, and I, I spent four years at AZ we played the Champions League. Uh, uh, we won the Super Cup. We won the Championship. I thought I felt I had I'd done enough in Holland. Um, 
there was a bit of there, there was actually a bit of contact with Ajax and Feyenoord because they knew I was off contract. But but I wanted to try um, and 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 have a crack at the Premier League. And 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 you know, luckily enough, Aston Villa came up and 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 it worked out. You know that that, that I signed for them. So you did mention it there, the bright lights of the Premier League. Yeah. How was that moving into a league where some of the best players in the world are playing? It was a dream come true to start because because it was a dream because you looked at Harry Kuehl and Mark Viduka scoring a hat-trick for Leeds against Liverpool and, and and you know, Mark Schwarzer and these sort of guys. It was it, it was a dream. Um, we saw everybody, these guys on Fox and um, and I wanted to be there and, and eventually it happened. Um it didn't work out the way I wanted. Um, it was a dream come true to play in the Premier League, um, but but it just yeah, it, it, it was one of those things where it just didn't fit. NEC NEC fitted, AZ fitted, it worked, it, it, it did the, it did its thing. Aston Villa was a fantastic experience that I'll never ever forget. But it just didn't me and me and Aston Villa didn't fit basically. Uh, now the UK's obviously got lots of um, similar characteristics and traits about it to Australia. Um, but how much of a culture shock was it going over there initially or not at all? It was a bit of a culture shock, definitely, um, football-wise as well, um, but, but also exactly what you said, culture-wise. You know, my wife was Dutch. We were going to, um, to the UK where it was definitely a little bit different. It was a lot more Sunday roasts and fish and chips and stuff like that. But, um, nah, look, it, it, it was. It was different. It was, a lo- it was def- oh, Birmingham, you know, it, it was, it was grey it was grey and, and wet uh, 362 days of the year, you know. So um, I think it was sunny the first day we got there and the last day we left, um, just to say goodbye maybe, I think. Um, but, but, you know, it was hard. It was hard. The football wasn't hard because I was excited, but it was a different culture in the football, whereas, you know, the Dutch football style is um, the, you train the way you play. Whereas the, the English sort of type of style is as long as you're there on Saturday afternoon, it sort of really doesn't matter a, a little bit about how you train as long as you sort of get through the week, as long as you're there for, for Saturday afternoon and you're firing. So it was a, it was, that, that was a lot different. Yeah. Um, tell us about the kind of Aston Villa weren't doing too well at that stage. Tell us what you reckon led to that. Oh jeez! If I knew that, I would have told them. Uh, <laughs> nah, look, it, it, look, it was it was a, it was sort of a sinking ship in a way. Um, you saw it after I left; it, it, it got worse and worse. They ended up getting relegated and stuff like that. Thank God, the, uh, you know they've they've uh, they've stayed in this year as well. They they got out of jail, but um, you know it was sort of a sinking ship. I don't know why um, they sold a lot of their good players. They couldn't bring in um, those high-profile players that they used to have. Um, that started it. Um, who knows? You know, I can't really put my finger on it. Like, you know, me personally, you know, the coach Paul Lambert, after obviously Alex McLeish signed me and ended up getting the sack before I ended up moving um, because he got the sack the previous year. But Paul Lambert came in and, and you know, didn't really uh, take favour to me, uh, uh, you know, whether that was a good thing or, or, you know, I didn't really, you know, like his style his way of uh, formations and, and the way he presented himself as a coach. But, you know, to say it was based on a coach, I don't think so. You know, the players were the ones who were doing it on the pitch and it didn't work out. But it, it, I think it was just a really, really bad time for, for Aston Villa and hopefully they, uh, they've they seen that bad thing. And, and maybe I think it was a good thing for him to realise that 
okay, you know, we've done some bad things, we've made some bad choices, let's get relegated and, 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 and maybe start clean slate and, you know, get promoted and do it again. So you only spend a little bit of time at Aston Villa, but do you hold a bit of, I guess, pride and do you follow their results, even though you spent a little bit of time at that club? I felt, I, you know, I, I, I still follow it. I still follow them. I, I, you know, I've, I've still got actually contact with a couple of the masseuses there who I, who I really, really, uh, uh, you know, came close with in a way. Um, I don't think that's a good thing if I was on the massage table too much. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's such a warm, warm club, good people who were involved. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was really nice. And, and I still follow them to this day. And like I said, I was stoked when they... Uh, when they somehow, uh, you know, got out of jail this year, and uh, and you know, I, I'm I'm so happy that the that the, the, the club is 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 progressing and and you know, getting where they they should should belong because the fans are, are fantastic. Now we'll talk about maybe why you left uh, in a sec, but uh, you were there for a year. Obviously, were you like? Did you know kind of very quickly that you're like, oh, geez, I'm just going to be out of here as soon as I can, or was it like all of a sudden? Leaving, um, it was hard because Paul Lambert came in, and, and it's really weird in in in, in the UK where you, know, you guys would know when when a manager comes in, he sort of has that that power to 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 make the transfers happen, and and obviously Paul Lambert came in. Alex Alex McLeish, the former manager, was the one who signed me. So straight away, you've sort of you're starting behind the eight ball because Paul Lambert wasn't the one who signed you. Um, that's the difficult part to start with. Um, the second thing was um, I thought I did really well in the beginning because I actually worked my ass off um, in, in pre-season to, to show him that, you know, I, I do belong here and, and, and uh, I'm worthy of being here. Did really well, started sort of the first half of the, the, the season and I thought I did okay. And after that, it went pear-shaped. Um, second half of the season, I didn't really play. I don't think I didn't play anything. Had a had a pretty frank uh, uh, chat with Paul Lambert at the end of the season, and he said I wasn't in his plans. and And I just said, look, I've still got two more years left, so um, you know I'm not going anywhere. I've got a family to feed, and 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 I've got a contract. And Aston Villa gave me that contract, so I'm going to honour it. Um, uh, and and uh, I sort of I sort of got the feeling that he was trying to push me out the door, sort of thing, in a way to say, look, find the new club, and 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 because I'm not going to use you. Um, so yeah the writing was on the wall and, and I wanted to play, I wanted to play football. So um, I sort of said, you know, let's, let's put the feelers out and see what happens. Now the move to the UAE, was that like a kind of godfather offer you can't refuse kind of thing with all the luxuries you could ever wish for or yeah. what was the yeah. thinking behind it? Exactly. Exactly. That, that um, it was, it was a, it was a fantastic financial offer. Um, and do you know what? I was in Europe for, you know, 12 odd years. Um, who knows if, if I was ever going to get a, a financial offer maybe like that ever again. Um, these, these things don't come around every day. So, um, and it was something where I was like, okay, who cares? Let's go and try a, a completely crazy different adventure and, uh, and we'll go to the Middle East. So, um, and you know what? It, I, I had the greatest, the greatest time uh, there. It was, it, was a, it, was a fantastic, uh, it was a fantastic period of our lives. Was there any thinking about going back to Europe or was it just like, I'm done with Europe now, it's just the Middle East or Australia, that's it? Not really. There was, there was never do- doors closed, um, ever. Um, and I learned that along the way, that you should, ever, you should never close any doors wherever you are. Um, 
yeah, there was always options open. Um, there was always that possibility of going back or trying something completely different. There, were, there was definitely talks after I was thinking about um, moving from the Middle East, even in Scandinavia, just to try something completely different because it wasn't, it wasn't the ambition to say, okay, I want to go and be, uh, you know, uh, playing in Spain because it wasn't really re- realistic to, at that stage anymore because it was so hard to move from the Middle East to go to, you know, those high-profile leagues. I, I, I knew that as well. So I was like, okay, I want to be the, you know, let's look for that adventure sort of type thing where it integrates football plus, plus the adventure for, for your family as well. Um, there was that talk of that. Uh, and, and, you know, I spent three years in the Middle East and then, yeah, Brisbane Raw came along and, 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 and that was it. But, you know, the, those three years were, were, were also fun as well. Were there any other Aussie clubs asking for your services or was it just the Brisbane Raw? I had chats with um, Tony Popovich at Western Sydney um, and Graham Arnold at Sydney FC, if I'm rightly, if I can recall, um, a little bit. Um, I think I had a quite a small chat with Kevin Musket at Melbourne Victory, but that sort of, uh, yeah, it was only one chat basically just to see where everything was at. Western Sydney were pretty, pretty close, obviously, from being from Western Sydney. So I wanted to hear them out as well. And, and, and Tony Popovich was doing great things. Um, but, you know, when I spoke to John and, and Craig Moore, who I obviously played with, um, with the Socceroos, it was, uh, it was an easy one. Um, uh, Brisbane Raw were, were, were great. And, you know, I, saw, I used to follow the A-League even, you know, online and stuff like that. And, and you saw some footage of Suncorp and, you know, with, with their finals footballs and, and uh, how they'd get packed stadiums and stuff like that. It, 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 looked, it looked fun. It looked exciting and, um, and John and Craig were, were the ones who sort of, uh, you know, basically got me over the line. Now, we've got so much to get through and obviously we'll get to your international career in a sec, but yeah. tell us about the Middle East and UAE, the football culture over there, because lots of people just think it's a whole lot of like sand and money and oil <laughs> and that's it. Like, tell us what it it's is. really like. It is, it is a lot of sand um, because you are in the middle of the desert, but um, no, it was a culture shock. It definitely was. Um, you're talking about, uh, 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 you know, it's a weird one because you're talk- it's a Muslim, obviously it's a Muslim country, but it's different because you really have to, um, you know, abide by their laws in a way. Um, so it's, 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 it's a strange one because, you know, you have to respect what, 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 you know, what they go through in a way and, and what their laws are, where it's, I suppose, a little bit different in Australia where people come in and, and almost do what they want. Do you know what I mean? So, um, over there, it's like you respect you respect almost everything that they that they put out. Yes, you're allowed to come here and experience, you know, the the, the luxuries and the and the and the niceness and and you know the big shopping malls and the and the and, you know nice flat beaches and stuff like that. But you know you had to you had to respect their culture and 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 you know sort of be on your toes a little bit in a way. Um, but but you know the, the 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 locals were so friendly and helpful and 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 warming to 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 us um, being there. You know they, they they helped us out with everything and 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 you know the football was actually pretty pretty fun. You know it was it was a it was a surprising standard from my side. Um, it was definitely hard to get used to because you always trained at night um, compared to um, uh, mornings like I was always used to, um, especially because of the heat. So they will always wait till the sun goes down. Um, that was hard at first because it was like, what do I do with my whole day? And then, you know, you, you know the, the locals normally sleep during the day sometimes and then be ready for their training. Well, I'll be up all day 
and then I'm like wrecked. I'm ready for bed, and then I got to start start training. But um, but you know there was dif- there was different things that you had to adapt to. But um, but they were all fun and exciting stuff. So we'll move on to your uh, Socceroos career. You made your debut in 2006 when we'd already qualified for the World Cup. But playing with that golden generation, how was that? They were golden. They were golden. <laughs> it was um, nah. Look, uh, I missed out on 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 a few of the a few of the guys who retired in, in 2006, which was unfortunate because you know there was there was some. From what I gathered, only being in one or two camps before that. Um, there were some fantastic personalities, um, but you know, I was thankful that that I got to experience and 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 be a part of 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 you know the core, the core of that 2006 generation. Um, great personalities, great people, um, amazing guys, amazing athletes. It just the uh, yeah, eye opener to to you know what, what what you could achieve with hard work, and 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 those guys are. Uh, Definitely showed me that. Now, you debuted before the World Cup, I believe, but I think it's fair to say you weren't fully established. But was there no. a little thing in the back of your head just being there like, was. Oh, I could make a World Cup here? <laughs> there was. There was, and I was gutted. I was gutted about it because I remember actually speaking to Graham Arnold, who was the assistant, and he said, you've, uh, you've just missed out um, because Goose, um, I think, went for Josh Kennedy at that stage. And I was like, if I was if I was only a few feet taller, I might have got a chance. <laughs> but um, but no, look, yeah, oh, yeah, look, it, it was always. I think any any player who maybe got into that camp beforehand would have got that false sense of, oh Jesus, I'm in with a shot here. It wasn't realistic, um, and and my time was 2010. But um, but you know, it would have been amazing to uh, to have to have you know got on the back of that two, 2006 uh, trip anyway because they. They, they had such a ride. So we will move on to 2010. Obviously, it's a, it was a great tournament for you personally. Yeah. Um, one that I attended. So anyone who's watching the stream behind me, this background is probably one of your favourite stadiums, Nelspruit Stadium. Yeah. Um, and I've got my two tickets here from your, the two games that you scored in. Um, how was that? That huge World Cup, especially the first one in Africa. It was, it, yeah. It was, it was big. It was huge. The Vuvuzelas were were, were still uh, were still ringing when we got on the plane and leaving South Africa. But um, no, nah, look, it, it was disappointing because I felt that we could get, you know, we we could have done something more than 2006. I honestly felt that. Um, a personal note, yeah, you couldn't, you, yeah. What more could you ask for? I, I should have scored in, against Germany. That's what I could have asked for. But um, then we could have maybe got through on goal difference. But um, no, nah, look. I was so disappointed because we, we, we you know, we held Ghana when we were 10 men, um, you know, for 70-odd minutes. Um, we beat Serbia, who was, who was a really, really good side at that stage. And we just, uh, we sort of screwed up against Germany. And, um, yeah, so disappointed because I felt, I, I really felt that, you know, we, 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 we should have done more. We could have done more. Um, yeah, disappointed. Now, I think everyone knows what we're going to get to with the goals, of course, but just putting that to one side just for a sec, had you ever been to a World Cup as a fan or anything like that before? No, no, never, never. <laughs> um, you, know, the, the, the one, you know, I watched the big one with the USA one. I think it was USA 94, if I can remember. That was the main one I really, really followed where um, I think Dennis Bergkamp scored that amazing goal when, he, when Dennis, yeah. uh, Ronald DeBoer uh, gives that long pass against Argentina. Um, when he traps it, cuts inside, and then and then puts it in the top corner. That was that, that was the first time where I was like, "Oh Jesus, this is this is absolutely insane." Um, 
But no, I didn't. I, I've never seen one live. But yeah, you know, I definitely had the uh, the goosebumps of uh, of of world of World Cup fever. That's for sure. So, how was it being within the camp? Obviously, they say South Africa is such a dangerous country. Yeah, and all and all this. Was it different inside the camp? It was hard. It was hard because exactly what you said. Everybody was 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 well aware, and and we were we everybody prepared us almost in a way to say you know that you have those you have the negative side of of I suppose of of South Africa in that sense. I suppose the FIFA would would would, would be shooting themselves in the foot if they ever let anything like that happened, where something happened to a player or a staff member or something like that. So the security. The security was high, on high demand, and and um, and you know common sense, you know don't be stupid, all that sort of stuff. Um, just just do the right thing, stay in, in in. I suppose they were hubs as well. If you really look at it, they were hubs in a way where we were. Um, stay in your hubs and, and and do the right things, and and focus on on what you're there for, and that's um, playing football sort of type of thing. So after you were knocked out, did you actually get a chance to experience the country or? I only saw, we were there briefly. I ended up taking a, a small safari trip um, with my wife um, and my mum and dad, I think was still there, if I can be corrected. Um, and then we did um, a small little tour um, around the old, uh, 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 around the old uh, community from Nelson Mandela and stuff like that, um, where he grew up, his old house, which was, yeah, that was that was definitely an eye opener um, to see how he uh, yeah was raised and 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 in what circumstances. But um, yeah, it was it was I didn't see a lot because it was sort of knockout a um, couple of days. See you later because you sort of had to go out. The FFA were the ones who organised the all transport. But you know there was a couple of things that I that I got to see which was which which, which I was grateful for. Now I don't know if you would get sick of talking about it. You've probably talked about it millions of times. But the goal against Serbia was rushing through your mind when you're smacking that ball from about. I don't get. Years. I don't. I don't get sick of it. I don't get <laughs> sick of it at all. No, it's. Um, ah, look, I've said it plenty of times, and I've said it at the same time over and over again. It, it goes in the back of my mind. My my old man always said, uh, you know, I think it was every single game. If I spoke to him before the game, have a go, just have a crack. Um, and and I was in the form of my life. At that stage, you know, I scored against New Zealand before we left on tour to score the winner. Um, training camp in um, uh, in South Africa, I was I was just in form. You know, I was hitting the right notes. I felt really fit. You know, scored against Ghana. Uh, you know, I don't think nine out of ten times I would ever ever shoot from that position again. Um, but you know, that's what that's what happens when you're in that sort of form. Um, you know, you, you do have a crack. You hit it sweet enough. It goes in the in, in the bottom corner and and. Uh, and you go absolutely nuts, but um, it's uh, it was a great feeling, the best feeling that that you could ever ever experience uh, in, in as a as a career of football that you could never experience anything else like that. Um, yeah, it was it was it was amazing. Uh, so, how was it being led by uh, well, basically being led by Timmy Cahill, who yep. wasn't a striker at that time, but still like the huge player that he was at that time. Yeah, he, he was immense for Australia. You know, everybody knows it. Um, he was great. Uh, 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 oh, what do you say about him? You know, a role model for everybody in a way. Um, the way he uh, he carried himself, uh, how we uh, how we played through four World Cups. Um, yeah, ambassador for 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 
AFC now, I think, for the Asian Cup and the World Cup and, 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 and for Australia. But yeah, what a guy. Um, yeah. Yeah, how many words, how many good words, how many great words. You can't sort of, you can't sort of say, say enough about him in, in, in regards to what he did for, for, for Australian football, I suppose. Now, uh, I listened to your podcast with Daniel Garb that was maybe out a couple months ago and uh, yeah. Daniel Garb kind of pushed you a bit and you ended up calling Tim Cahill a bit of a pest. So <laughs> what, what makes him Timmy so Cahill's, pest? Timmy Cahill's definitely a pest. Um, he never shuts up. He's got so much energy. Um, and, and, and sometimes, yeah, I always used to sit at the back of the bus and, and he would always be up the back and, and, yeah, that was me. I was sort of, uh, yeah, I was like just – be quiet sometimes, you know, Timmy. Come on, you know, give me a break. He was, yeah, he was that type of guy. He, he and, and he's, I think he still is now. You always see, uh, I, I follow him on Instagram now, and, and the guy's just here, there, and everywhere. And, 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 it, and it sums him up because he, he, yeah, he's that, he's that, he's that type of guy. He's, he's yeah, full of beans. And, um, and, and yeah, then he, for me, then he turns into a pest, definitely. So I've got one last question about that World Cup. Um, obviously, me being there, I remember traveling out from Johannesburg, just in a car with three or four other of, of us yeah. driving to Rustenburg. And realistically, they didn't plan well because it's crap stadium. Um, the public transport wasn't great. Yeah, we had to walk a little bit of the way, get on a bus, walk a little bit of the way from the car park. Um, but did you really appreciate all the fans coming all this way and doing that sort of stuff to support you guys? It was, it, do you know what? I suppose. It, it, in one way, you almost you almost sort of would would love to the World Cup to almost sort of be um, expanded away, so you can almost sort of cherish those moments after the games and stuff like that, and really sort of mingle with the supporters and 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 because, like you said, that 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 is so, and and not not only South Africa, you know, we've we've played in 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 countries like Uzbekistan and and Jordan, and all of a sudden you see Aussie supporters with flags and stuff like that. It's like you know, and that's how great. That 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 yeah that that feeling that Australians have I suppose with with each other no matter where we are and and to have that that support you know, you know you're looking up when I scored the Ghana goal you go Ray and you, you run away and you see that just green and gold and 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 you know that's what you're there for you know for those people who travel around the world to to come and see a World Cup and and you know spend all their hard earned money and to 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 to, to go to games you know it's like. You know they're here to support you. Let's 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 give them you know give them something to cheer about in a way as well. And and I suppose I think sometimes supporters don't maybe feel that because it's it's very um, yeah maybe closed off sometimes too much because it's sort of you know in and out bus in bus out that sort of type of stuff and and you don't have that interaction and uh, it's a shame because you know I don't think there'll be one player who who wouldn't um, cherish. And, 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 and really understand how, how important supporters are because, you know, they, they actually make that atmosphere and, and, and create that almost drive sometimes for, for players and that second gear to, to, to give that little extra 10% and, 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 and push a little bit more. Yeah, like just to the few countries I've been to, if you just like it here, an Aussie accent in the background, something just like clicks in your head and it's like, exactly. oh, this is like one of my people, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, seeing thousands of those people in the stands, I just couldn't even imagine, just amazing. But um, I think we might move on to uh, – I, I can't really speak for this because I was very young. I would have been just like seven in the 2010 World Cup, but you were the whipping boy for a while for Australia. How yeah. did that impact your mental health? 
Um, it, it was it was hard because it was um, I, I couldn't understand that. Like I didn't read a lot. I wasn't into um, you know following all the social media and, and, and newspapers at that time. A, a lot, you know, I did I did see stuff. I did read stuff. It was hard because I didn't un- understand a lot of it because I was like, hold on, I'm, I'm flying around the world to to represent my country. I don't understand that you actually think that I would come here and try and want to perform badly. Um, I don't get it. Um, I didn't understand it. Um, that frustrated me the most. Um, the thing that angered me the most was that it, it, it sort of got personal um, towards my family and stuff like that, and that's where it it, 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 it hurt a little bit. Um, and I suppose it goes back to, to maybe moving overseas um, at such a young age and, you know, going through those hard times and creating that thick skin and, and you know, getting mentally stronger that, you know, it, it sort of prepared me in a way um, as to, you know, what was going on at, at that time because it, it wasn't nice. It, it was it was pretty nasty. It was almost a manhunt. But, um, you know, I had, I had fantastic support around me. I had a, an amazing coach who's just recently passed away in Pim for Beek who, who always protected me um, and, and, and almost sort of, you know, stood in, stood in front of me as, as, as almost a bulletproof vest in a way. Um, you know, I had a wife who, who always, uh, you know, gave me that little extra boost to say, you know, you, you've got the confidence from everybody, you know, go out and do what you have to do because, you know, you know, you can do it. Uh, mum and dad were always there. So, you know, I had a great support system, uh, you know, helping me out. So, um, I was, I was in a good way, even though that those things were said. Yeah, if it's any consolation, that, that World Cup goal, one of my one of my first, well, probably my first World Cup memory, actually, as a little seven-year-old kid and absolute idol of mine, mate. So you've got that. If you ever need to fall back on something, you've got that. Uh, it was, but, exactly, exactly right. <laughs> uh, we'll move on maybe to the next World Cup, which you obviously didn't play in because you retired yeah. before it. Yeah. Talk to us about the retirement. I played all the qualifiers, I think. Uh, Holger, Holger, unfortunately, got the sack um, because we got absolutely smashed against Brazil and France. Um, friendlies that were planned, which were, I think, in a way good, but in a way stupid as well for Holger, I suppose. Um, we qualified, so I don't think we needed to play them at that stage. Ange Postacoglu came in. Everybody knew that. Um, and, and it didn't click. Basically, um, you know, I, I suppose he had he had different opinions. Um, I felt that, um, yeah, I, I wasn't needed. Maybe um, we didn't have a chat about it, but that was the feeling that I got. Um, so I sort of took it upon myself to say, look, I, I I I represented my country in 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 so many games, and I gave my all, and I travelled, you know, everywhere around the globe. To represent my, my country, and I've gave, I've given my all, and, and you know I think enough's enough. Um, and 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 you know I made the decision pretty quick, um, but I had I had zero regrets. So I, so maybe that was it was the right time, you know, because I didn't have any regrets whatsoever. So I have a little question. So obviously, anyone who plays soccer, you might have a big thing about your number. So I have a big. My favourite number is 14, mainly because of Thierry Henry and it is yeah. my birthday as well. Yeah. Um, and obviously you were Australia's number 14. Did you have a real connection with the number 14? Yeah, yeah. Um, after I got there and, and, 
you know, you talk, yeah, exactly what you said, Thierry Henry. I always look at Johan Crash. Not that I was at that caliber, but um, it was, um, it was my, if, it, sounds really, it sounds really selfish, but it was sort of my Aussie jersey in a way, you know. Um, and even if I see some of the players running around in it now, it's, it's almost like you're like, hey, you got my jersey on. But um, it's, um, it, yeah, it, it was, you know what I mean? It, it was, it was, I held it, I, I had it, I, I wore it for, for, for so many years. And, and, and yeah, I can, exactly what you said, it's sort of, yeah, it got branded on me in a way as well. Um, yeah, it, it, it was my number. So, um, yeah, nobody's taken it from me in a way, that sense. No, not at all. But, no, it was it, it was something special to me, definitely. Uh, the only time I sort of took it from you was when I made a character on the World Cup games. Uh, it's all right. Me and you linked <laughs> up. I was in the number 14. You would have been That's in the fine. number 24. But <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, one more thing on the 2014 World Cup I've got. So I think lots of people had the view that uh, Australia, oh, yeah, we put up a good fight, but we're going to be so much better in the long term because of Ange's tactics, all like that. It's master plan. And oh. I think it's fair to say Ange obviously didn't make the next World Cup, so that didn't really go the way everyone wanted it. Yeah. Do you reckon if they had someone like you or uh, someone a bit more experienced, even more experienced than you, like a Lucas Neal or a Schwarzer, do you reckon you would have been even better in that 2014 World Cup? Maybe got to the knockouts. Oh, tough question. Um, I think. Uh, look, yeah, maybe, maybe hypothetically, yes. Um, I think. I think if you look at it, you know, the uh, the Aussie team that was put out by Ange definitely uh, did Australia proud, and they put up a great fight. But I, I honestly, if you look at it, and, and you could say we were unlucky in certain areas and this and that, but, you know, bottom line was at that moment we came up short against really, really good sides. Um, and, and, and you can just do that. You can put your hand up and say, hey, we put everything into these games, but it just wasn't enough. To say we've, we've got Mark Schwarzer or Lucas Neal um, who can maybe steady the boats after, after we score against Holland and, 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 you know, they don't come straight back down the other end and score, maybe... Yes, um, that could have helped. Uh, these hypotheticals, too many hypotheticals. Um, it was a shame that Lucas Neal didn't go um, because I know that he really wanted to go to that one. Um, but yeah, yeah, who knows? Who knows? That's 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 for, that's a, that's a great discussion for anybody. Yeah. Um, now you ended up retiring altogether after a bit of a bad injury run uh, at Brisbane. I think yep. it was your knee, was it? Yep, yep, uh, yeah. It just didn't, uh, yeah. It didn't yeah. go. It didn't go anymore. Um, do you think the A League? Uh, obviously, it hasn't got all the amazing staff like you maybe have in the Premier League or even the Eredivisie. Do you reckon if you had like a Aston Villa physio or something, you might even still be playing? No, no. I think. Um, well, my 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 knee injury was definitely a one off uh, in in one of the games or one of my la- or was my last game against Port. Perth Glory. Um, I ended up hyper hyperextending my knee, um, which created a, a big problem in my left uh, in my left knee. Um, I ended up uh, after that the only uh, procedure at that moment that that was, I suppose, the procedure to get me back was a micro fracture, um, and unfortunately that that never worked. Um, so so I had to retire. Um, uh, yeah, to say no, I, no, to fall back on on. Uh, staff or physios and stuff like that not at all um, 
the facilities that we had um, were, were, were great. The physios were very helpful in my rehab to even try and get me back. Um, it, 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 yeah, it just, it just, unfortunately, it just wasn't meant to be. So now after retirement, you're obviously wearing the shirt. So tell us about your academy that you run. Yeah, I'm wearing it now. I just, I just finished coaching. Um, it's, it's going great. Um, I'm, I'm learning by the day. Um, the kids are... Yeah, you'll have to ask the kids. I think the kids are enjoying it. Um, but, you know, the, the numbers are growing. Um, it's, it's been the first year. Um, it's, it's, I'm excited. Uh, I get excited. Uh, and it's good because I learn things along the way and, and I slowly pick up things of, of maybe some things that I, I forgot back in the day and, and, and they come to mind now because you're thinking a lot more of, of, of the coaching side of things and, and not only worrying about yourself as a player. So, um, it's going great, guns. Um, we're we're about to do a holiday uh, a, a clinic up here. That's uh, that I'm organising, and that's full on. Jack Jack Hing is going to be involved, a Brisbane Raw player as well. Um, so it's 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 fun stuff. It's exciting, and 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 it's great for me to be um, still involved in 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 the sport that I love in in some sort of capacity. Now we've, we'll go to a couple of quick listener questions because we've been going for a long time. Uh, one from Michael. Uh, how does it feel being one of only six Australians to have scored a goal in the FIFA World Cup? That's a great feeling. <laughs> That's a great feeling. It's um, it's it's a, a, a it's a pretty special one. Um, if you really put if you put it like that, I haven't thought of it. I haven't thought about it like that. Um, to say that, yeah, exactly right. There's only been six goal scorers in it, um, in a World Cup, and I'm one of them. So I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a pretty cool um, I'm in a pretty cool uh, cat, uh, you know. Group of group of players, so um, uh, an honour, I suppose, an honour and a and a, and a and a and a proud achievement, I suppose. You could you could put it you could put it into. Uh, the last one from Arnold. Do, do you have any regrets in your career? Um, there's probably one regret. One regret would be um, the Aston Villa period to go to Dubai. Um, I didn't regret going to Dubai, um, but I, but I would have loved to have had another crack at, at, at another club in the Premier League. I would never have changed um, leaving to Dubai because Dubai was, was, was a fantastic period in my life. It was just, I don't know, I would have loved to have had a, 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 yeah, a, a club that, that maybe fitted me a bit more and, and, uh, and I had another crack at it somehow. Now, Brett, we've got a very famous last segment on this show. Uh, it's uh, you up against Jackson. I'm going to be hosting. It's a quiz. It's a five-question quiz. I'm in trouble, so, aren't I? <laughs> it's, it's not. It's pretty general knowledge, but it's stuff that's all vaguely related to your, to your career. Okay. So uh, your name's your buzzer, and we'll get started on the first question, which is question one. Okay. So uh, obviously you're a boy from Bankstown, and another fellow um, – Bankstown boy is a uh, grew up in Bankstown. Paul Keating, he was the twenty fourth Prime Minister of Australia. Name one year in which he was in office as PM. Just one of the years he <laughs> held the title Brett, of Prime Minister. Brett, Brett go for it. Nineteen ninety four. Nineteen ninety four is correct. You're pretty bang in the middle there. Really, ninety ninety one to nineteen ninety six. So one nil, Brett. Good start. <laughs> oh, okay, man, that was a bit much. I wasn't even born then. <laughs> now Jackson's been on a hot streak, so I've got to try to Great get guess. our get Great our guests to get a bit of a win. 
Okay, question two, obviously. Famous number 14, as we mentioned before. Now, the piano sonata number 14 is one of the most famous piano sonatas composed by Ludwig van Beethoven. <laughs> by what name is this piece more commonly known? It's one of the most famous sonatas. No idea. I think yeah. you, pro- you probably would have heard of it. Oh, um, is it something from, uh, do I say my name, Brett? Yeah, Brett. Um, have a go. It was, um, is it from Botticelli, is it? What's his name? Um, it's Beethoven. No, it's not. no, Beethoven. Beethoven, yeah. Oh, it's not. It's not. Oh, mate, no idea. No, no idea. I've got no clue either. Uh, have you heard of Moonlight Sonata? No. You haven't heard of that? Oh, jeez. Well, I'm not much of a classical musician, but I'm, uh, I'm geez, I thought that was common knowledge. <laughs> anyway. Question three. So uh, the first syllable of your last name, obviously, hole. One of the most famous holes in the world, the Grand Canyon. So a closest to the pin question here, how deep is the Grand Canyon? Oh, my God. Closest to the pin. How deep? Uh, Jackson. Jackson, have a crack. I'm just going to have a crack, 100 metres. 100 metres? Um, okay, what do I want to Wow. 150. <laughs> okay. This answer, it seems like way too big. I might have to double check this, but it's 1,857 metres. Deep. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't fall down the Grand Canyon, I'd say then. Yeah. <laughs> that's, now, that's, listen, that's, you might want to double check that because that was on Wikipedia and maybe someone's done a dodgy edit there. We'll find that. Well, I'll there you go. Anyway, as well. I think I'm going to check that up later. Brett got the point there, did he? I think. I'll check that up. I was closest. I was closest. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely closest. closest. Yeah. <laughs> And close is a strong word there, but anyway, we'll move on to question four. And so we did the first syllable of your last name, Hole. Now the second yep. syllable, Man. So the political party, Man, it obviously stands for something, is the oldest political party in its country and is headquartered in Ulan Batar. From which country is the political party of Man? Central what are you Asia. Doing to, what are you doing to me? Central Asia. I'll give you that clue. Central Asia. Um, Jesus. Kind of East Central Asia. <laughs> I thought you said this was general knowledge, Harper. This is, uh, this is uh, what is uh, this? I this did say it was um, common knowledge. It's just like, this would be a this geography. This musical, musical geography. Um, East <laughs> yeah. Asia. It's a, uh, it's a landlocked country. Um, Can you uh, say the, the city again? The city, Ulaanbaatar. That's the capital city of that country as well. Ulaanbaatar. Ulaanbaatar. Oh, I can give you another clue. They're famous for their uh, kind of nomads in this country. Nomads? Mm. Oh, Jackson? Jackson. Oh. Is it Nepal? It's not Nepal. <laughs> Brett, do you want to have a go? Jackson's buzzed out now. I would have no idea. What's next to Nepal? Um <laughs> See, Emma, um, I have no idea. I'm out. I'm out. I've got no idea. The answer is Mongolia. Mongolia. There you go. And uh, it stands for... Uh, I would never Mon- have got that. It stands for Mongol Aradin Nam, which translates to the Mongolian People's Party. So yeah, nice. There you yeah. go. Lovely Brilliant. party. Brilliant. Any of our now Mongolian listeners, yeah, big shout out to them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> question five. It's our fifth and final question, but 
Jackson's still in it because it's a who am I question. So we're going to go I? down from five who points all the way down to one point where I'll give you some clues for each level of points. And once you've buzzed in, you can't buzz in again until the other person gets it wrong. So okay. get that, guys? All good? Got it. Okay. Got it. First question. Uh, you were born on the 27th of March. Is that correct, Brett? Yep. Okay, that's good. Got that right at least. Uh, so for five points, <laughs> I was born on the 27th of March, 1986 in Gelsenkirchen. In where? Gelsenkirchen. I'll move on to the four-point clue. I'm a footballer, obviously soccer player, association footballer, who's played 92 games for my national team. Born in 86 in Gelsenkirchen. Uh, Brett. Brett, he's going, going early. He's going early. Uh, Lucas Podolski. Lucas Podolski is incorrect, I'm afraid to say. Uh, but... I'm going to go to the three-point clue, and Jackson needs to get it here if he wants to win it outright. Uh, but if he gets to the two-point, we might go to a tiebreaker. So for three points, I've won my domestic league eight times and the Champions League twice. Oh, uh, Jackson. Jackson. Manuel Neuer. Manuel Neuer oh. is. Correct. 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 Great one. That's a comeback for the ages. Comeback for two days out. Graceful. <laughs> oh, I was just trying to think of Schalke players. Yeah, I and know. And then you said the Schalke. league titles. Yeah. There you go. And um, for two points for the listeners, uh, despite playing over 400 club games, I've never played for a foreign team nor scored a career goal. And for one point, my unique style of play helped my teammates press deep into their opponent's half, a crucial tactic in my national team's 2014 World Cup win. Jackson, who, who was it? Who am I? Who am I? It was Manuel Neuer. <laughs> and he's taken out the win. Thank you. Thank you, Brett. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. <laughs> Brett, we've been going for a long time, so I think we no better worries. leave it there. Say thank no you worries. to our Facebook Live watchers, and we'll end the stream there. Thanks very much, guys, for tuning in. And see you, Brett. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. And we're back. How good was that, Harper? Oh, Jackson, that was really, really good. I bet all our listeners thought the same. Uh, yeah, great episode. What did you think? Yeah, no, definitely. Great, interesting episode. Um, great to hear a tale from a former soccerer and how he got to that level. Uh, great to learn about the Dutch League. Uh, big fan of yeah. that. So, Yeah, yeah. Um. Dutch League, Great League, and his experience in the Premier League as well and in the Middle East and the UAE. That was uh, really fascinating and his Socceroos ventures. Lovely guy and he's got a really interesting story. So make sure you suggest this episode to all your mates if you enjoyed it or if even if you didn't enjoy it, see how much your mates hate it if you hated it. But Jackson, we're doing a nice new little social media venture uh, in the next few episodes or maybe longer than that. What are we doing? Yeah, so as people who listen would know, we used to do a sort of topic and discussion after our episodes. Um, we just thought a little bit too long for the actual episodes. So what we're going to do, we're going to record it on Zoom or wherever we are and um, put it up on our Facebooks and our social media. Where can we find those, Harper? Yeah, uh, you can find our Facebook at facebook.com forward slash WDWBpod. That is WDWBpod or just look us up, where do we begin? And our Instagram is WDWBpod. We're not going to post it on our Twitter, but if you want to check out our Twitter, it's WDWBpod as well. 
And we also had a Facebook Live with Brett Holman. So big thanks to all those guys who tuned in on Facebook. So what is our outro topic going to be uh, for today, Jackson? Yes, the topic, will, which will we, will, our topic, which will be on the Facebook in the coming days after this episode, will be iconic Socceroos moments. Obviously, Brett Holman being part of a few of them. Uh, we'll have a discussion and anyone in the comments there can let us know what their favourite are. Yeah, uh, iconic moments. And if you're listening to this, unless you've got exclusive early access, it will be out right now on Facebook and Instagram. So go check that out. Um, yeah, make sure you give us a follow as well to keep up to date with all the episodes. Give us a review on uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, five stars, please, uh, even if you hate us. And uh, recommend us to all your mates. Feel free to get in touch via email. Where do we begin? Pod, gmail.com. Patreon as well, if you want to hop on that, patreon.com forward slash WDWB pod. But I'm going on a bit here, Jackson. So we've got some music today, I believe. Is that right? Just before the music, um, as people know, we are a very small podcast. So if anyone has any links to someone we might be able to interview, let it get in touch. Let us know. Um, we, we always try. We email and Instagram DM as many people as possible. But um, if you know anyone who is of um, famous stature that we can interview in the sports realm, let us know and uh, we'll, we'll try and get in contact with them. Even if you are someone famous, <laughs> uh, let us know. I believe Joey Danaher listens to the podcast. Oh, definitely. So, uh, big shout out to you, Joey, if you're listening. Sucks Thanks, up, Joey. definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but... Should we get into the music? Yeah. Uh, who have we got on this week, Harper? Yeah. So uh, in WDWB Extra number one, uh, which was probably released a couple of months ago now, we had a, a couple of guys from the band White Bonsai. Um, so we had Adam and Dylan on, and they just happened to release a new single. Uh, it's called Towards the Sun. And it's a, got it like the singing's got a real kind of mellow tone, but it's a pretty rocky track. So uh, it's a single that I bet they're very proud of making. And Jackson, have you had a listen to it? Yeah, no, definitely. I've had a listen to it. It sounds pretty great. Uh, congratulations to the guy for re- to the guys for releasing this one. Uh, they did mention it on on the extra pod, so it's really good to see it come to fruition. Yeah, uh, we'll get straight into it, I guess. So, thank you very much for listening. Make sure you leave us a review, give us a shout out. Uh, so, here is uh, White Bonsai with Towards the Sun. Draw 
shade, the winding path, the symmetry. Beneath.